Hello, welcome, uh, welcome back, everybody, to Alcoholics Unanimous. Um, this is the second episode. Uh, my name is Josh, and I'm an alcoholic. Thanks for tuning back in. Uh, had a lot of fun with the first one. Sent that one out a couple days ago, um, and got a lot of cool feedback from everybody. Um, it seemed like people were picking up the vibe I, I kind of wanted to put out with this thing, which was um, just kind of tapping into my my stream of consciousness and and kind of just speaking out my truth. Um, so that was cool to get that feedback uh, without really having to preface that um, with anything. I just sent it out and and got that got that back. So that's super cool. Um, I haven't listened to the episode myself, so um, I don't really know how it went. You know, I recorded it, so I have that, but I don't remember specifics from it. Um, and you know, by design, I don't want to watch them yet. I just want to kind of get into. Um, you know, into tune with my talking, um, get used to this before I even start critiquing it. Cause I don't really, this is my first time doing this. So, um, it's just kind of a trial run for this, but, um, yeah, at the same time, I, this is very serious to me. So I do want to, um, you know, over time get this thing really dialed in. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, it's a work in progress as we all are always. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, left off the last uh, episode, kind of just talking about my first um, my first couple of days. I guess uh, when I got to rehab, I did went through the um, went through the uh, what is it called the intake day where they do your blood and all that stuff. Um, and so yeah, um, you know, basically got got to that spot that first day, wanted to run away, um, but didn't. You know checked my impulse there um one thing i do remember is seeing like the different mm. waves of people that were kind of there there's you know the the first phase people which were like me um just new people that were a couple you know hours hours sober hours clean um and then there was the second wave people you could see were a little bit better off mentally physically look a little better um but you could still see that they were going through stuff and then they had like the phase three and four which were like oh my god those guys have been sober for four weeks what man that seems crazy uh so those kind of things were were weird to see at first because i was like what the i didn't know what the i didn't know what was going on and so you're just looking at seeing these different kind of ways of people. I guess, I mean, it was cool because it get, did give me that, um, you know, did give me that like, well, these people seem pretty okay, but they're still here. Like, so it gave me, I don't know. It was like weird hope. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but, um, <clears throat> yeah. So, um, you first, you kind of go through your orientation. There's about three or four other people in there with you kind of, in the same boat, you know, same thing. You're just sitting there waiting for, um, waiting for somebody to come in and just explain to you what's going to happen for the next few weeks. Um, if you choose to go through with it, because it is again, all voluntarily, uh, voluntarily, um, you know, done. So you don't have to be there at all, but you know, if you're court ordered, you don't go, you go to jail. If you're work ordered, you don't go, you lose your job. If you're self ordered, it's on you which is usually best success stories are from that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But yeah, you're sitting in this room. Um, 
we had our first counselor come in and kind of just break down what like what this place was, what it was designed to do. And in short, it was um, it was a place where people who had chemical dependencies went and um, basically explored why they decided to go down that path, why they couldn't stop going down that path, and figure out a plan moving forward. That's really the three things that you're there for. Um, you know, figure out, you know, realizing why, why you're there um, is, you know, the, the huge, huge step. Um, but then figuring out a plan going forward because you can't stay in that little sanctuary for that long. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to get too soft and you're not going to be able to jump back into the real world. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely, um, that was definitely portrayed from the beginning, which is cool. Um, cause you don't know really what's going on. You don't want to even, you don't even want to accept like that you're there, let alone listen to somebody tell you that you're going to get better. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's just a weird spot. So you're just kind of you know, sitting there, but yeah, you go through the orientation and you, uh, you know, they let you know what classes you're going to go to. Um, they kind of just throw you into the group um, for the first day. And um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, um, it was, a, you know, the phase one group, which um, for my uh, CDRP program, it was a seven-day phase. Um, so if you went seven days completely clean and sober, um and didn't have, I mean, showed that you were actually making some progress, then the counselors would meet, get together, um, decide if they thought you were ready to move to phase two, and then they would ask you, actually, they said, so what do you think about uh, moving to phase two? And, uh, you know, from there. But regardless, um, yeah, they send you into the first, first day, first group, and there's probably about 10, 12, 15 people in, in this first group. Some of them are, are new, like those people with the orientation that I was in with. Um, some of them are, have been there for a day or two. Some of them are about to leave, and that's their last day. So you're getting a whole mix of people um, kind of coming through a whole bunch of different uh, paths kind of crossing in this seven-day uh, period. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really kind of cool. You just um, you get thrown into the class, and, and then they basically kind of break break it down um for you that way hey this is you know uh this is gonna be your new home here for the next few weeks so get to know everybody you know be nice respectful here are the rules um you know just do your best to follow those do your best to respect everybody respect their stories their time their anonymity um all of that stuff there you know they it's, it's legal stuff but it's just like come on don't be a dick but, um, yeah, so they um, get thrown in and um, really you just kind of have to go over yourself. You introduce yourself. You say, hi, my name is Josh. Um, you go through your drug of choice. Um, so a lot of people, you know, were in there for multiple kind of addictions. Um, but, you know, some people were just, just alcoholics. Some people were just addicted to Coke. Some people were... Um, coming off like meth um, things and, and yeah so there's all kinds of different people in this room 
you're getting all kinds of different levels of <laughs> mental clarity uh, because like me, I was de- medically detoxing with the Librium. Luckily, luckily, the Librium doesn't do anything to your brain or I guess your your consciousness. You can still talk. You could st- you're still there. It's just your body thinks it's been given the alcohol so you feel okay. But um, yeah, the <laughs> the weird thing about it is there's some people that are coming off of maybe a benzo addiction or um, you know something a little bit crazier where they have to take maybe like Valium or something to come off of it because they're too wired. And so those those people, the first two or three days you meet them, it's like you're talking to a zombie. It's like, hey, yeah, uh, like, and then you know after they kind of detox and get their there's things out of the system, they're a person again, and you could start talking to them. And and it's funny, the ones that are like legit trying to get better are kind of like, whoa, like, man, I was coming off of some weird stuff the other day <laughs> so it was just a weird experience man um but yeah so you get all kinds of different levels of of really consciousness uh you know health mental health uh, emotional health spe- specifically that one mental or emotional health was everyone was pretty much broken so that was that was you can imagine how that would go but um yeah, so you go around, you say, um, you know, Josh, drug of choice was alcohol, um, but, you know, you kind of say everything. So if you're using smoking weed, you'd say that. If you were using Coke, you'd say that. Um, but, yeah, you just go through your drugs of choice, um, and then you would say how many days you have been clean and sober. Then you would say how many days you've been in that current group. So, you'd, you know, uh three days sober, four days in the group, or four days sober, three days in the group. Um, and then it would, the next thing they would ask is, uh, how many self-help meetings have you been to um, this uh, this week? I, I think they asked, yeah, how many have you been in this week? And a self-help meeting is, um, is, is basically like, it's like AA. Um, AA is a self-help meeting. There's different kinds of recovery things out there. There's like um, smart recovery, which is like the science um, recovery kind of mentality. It's like taking it from a very scientific standpoint where, you know, chemical A goes or you go into, you know, enters your system. You go through the A phase where you're up and then you go through the B phase where you go down. So you have to, you know, you learn about like the actual science of what's happening while you're putting these chemicals into your brain, which is super cool. Um, not super helpful for dealing with emotional things, um, but it is kind of cool to know what you're going through uh, physically, so that you can maybe it, it can give you an angle um, to help you emotionally. You know, when you are going through your recovery. So, anyways, so yeah, AA is a self help meeting. That smart smart recovery is a self help type of meeting. Um, there's one called Dharma um, recovery which is um, basically it's like a meditation-based Buddhist type of style, um, which, is, um, which is cool. And uh, to be honest, I think there's some controversy around that. I don't, want, I don't want to speak on that. I don't know. But all I know is there's some good versions of it, and you can meditate, and it helps to uh, kind of go over those little mantras. Um, and what you do is you just kind of tell yourself like, ah, 
you know, I, I don't need alcohol. I don't need alcohol. Mm. You do these little things over and over again. And as silly as it sounds, you're kind of reprogramming your brain. Um, because a lot of times when you're, when you're just totally strung out or, you know, wired, your, your brain tells you these bad things over and over and over and over and over again. So what you're, what you're doing is you're training your brain to kind of tell you those, or to tell you a different thing when it goes into that spiral mode. So instead of spiraling down, you have potentially can spiral up. And, um, it's a really cool, cool way to do that too. So, I mean, that one kind of deals with like the metaphysical of it, whereas smart, smart recovery is like the direct chemical response, A plus B equals C with Dharma or meditation recovery. It's totally not that it's very open. There's not really a end goal besides maybe trying to reprogram some of these traits that you're, uh, that you've developed in your addiction. And so, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's one style. Um, and then, and then I, there's, there's kind of some other, other groups, um, out there, it, it, you know, there's people that kind of have their own custom ones. They have music based ones. They have exercise based ones. Um, there's a super cool app. Um, it's called meeting guide. Um, M E E T I N G G U I D E. Um, and it's free. It's on, um, the app store and Google play, but, um, basically, yeah, you download it. It just geolocates you and it'll show you all the meetings that are around you. Um, so it's super cool. You get to see, um, the closest ones first, what times and, and basically, yeah, it shows them what, which is the closest one starting next. Um, so it'll show you all those and then it categorizes them cause there is a lot of, um, when you're dealing with this, you know, AA and stuff and there's, it's a lot of comfortability. If people don't feel comfortable, they're not going to be able to open up and talk. So there's very specific um, meetings for um, certain subgroups of, of people that, you know, want to want to kind of identify um, with that group. And it's super awesome that we have that. It's super cool. I didn't go to anything specific. Um, I just kind of went, you know, to the general, general all ages meeting. Um, you know, it's kind of just everyone's invited. They'll have like the young people meeting. Um, they'll have they have a men's meetings. They have women's meetings. They have um, like um, Al-Anon is basically um, people that know people who are suffering with addiction go to those meetings and talk about it. So there's tons of different um, tons of different meetings out there, and yeah, you can explore them um, if you are, you know wanting to check out one of these things it's super awesome they're super chill everyone there is very nice um they will be able to tell that you're new so if you've prepared to talk uh at the end they're not going to force you to talk um in during the meeting if you're not comfortable with that but if you do stick around if you're smoking cigarettes out there with the group someone's going to talk to you um because they can tell that you're new um so be prepared for that but also um if you want to, yeah, check that out. Um, there's a ton of different meetings on there. Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyways, that was a long roundabout, but, um, when we introduce ourselves at the, at, um, at the rehab center, we went through that checklist every single day. You would go over that every single day you checked in 
almost every, actually every class that you would check in. And we'd be there for seven, eight hours a day, and we'd go in four or five classes. You'd do that every class, every single day. Um, so you really got a, um, a kind of a, into this mentality of, of checking yourself, um, checking your inventory mentally, emotionally. Um, you really get a sense of, sam- uh, you get a really good sample size when you're paying attention to it that many times a day, which is something that's stuck with me. And I do that constantly now is just really check like how I'm feeling, learned how to sit in like a feeling. If I feel upset, I sit in it. I don't push it away. I don't bury it down. I can sit in it and and feel that, feel the root. Where's the bottom of this, right? It's like a, when you're lost in like anger or overwhelm, it's like you're dove too deep in the ocean and you don't know which way's up, right? But if you take a breath or, <laughs> you know, let some air out, you'll be able to see which way's up, swim to the surface. Um, so, yeah, you would check in every single day doing all that. So you'd really be able to get a grasp on which way was up and which way was, um, which way was not where you wanted to go. So, I mean, you, you really got in tune with, with yourself. Um, and so that, that is huge, huge, hugely helpful. I think as a, just a person in general, um, I think it's important to do that because how would you know how you really truly feel unless you're consciously thinking about it really all the time? Um, it's, it's an active thing. You're not going to be able to, uh, get to a, point of serenity stay there um no serenity serenity is not that serenity is being able to take in those those problems those those situations those issues and deal with them in a healthy manner um does it mean it's going to be easy or or uh does it mean that you asked for that no but you know you can learn to like power through things you know there's basically with all with life i learned like it's you just have the situation at hand and your decision that's all there is to life <laughs> is the is the situation at hand and what you do with that situation and so yeah i mean you really kind of learn what you f- what you feel like and you kind of get to that get to a place you start developing a baseline like okay i'm feeling this i get i notice when somebody mentions this i get upset i notice when somebody mentions this i feel happy so you start seeing these like positives and 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 negatives and so often we're focusing on what brings me down what what makes me feel bad and get rid of that um but a lot of times i think what's missed is we um we don't focus on the things that give us happiness and positivity, and we don't we don't lean into that as much. Instead of running away from the bad things or the things that give you those negative feelings, lean into the things that that um, lean into those things that that give you joy, that give you happiness. Because then that makes the bad things seem more distant, not as not as real to you. Um, more of like a like, come on, I can deal with that. That kind of vibe, um, and yeah, that was really truly accomplished through through that that checking every single day, all day long. Um, they ingrained that to you in the in the be, in the beginning. It's just you know, check in with yourself, and uh, 
so yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. The, um, the amount of growth you can do by just paying attention to yourself and, um, checking in on what you feel and how you feel and why you feel that's, that's, you know, it's very important. Um, I think people think like your brain is just, it, it's just doing something magical. It's not, it's a physical piece of equipment and it needs to be exercised. It needs to be honed. It it needs to be taken care of. Um, sleep, and you need to have you know you need to give it rest. What would happen if you did? If you just stopped, started doing uh, pull ups, and just didn't stop, how long would it be until your body just ceased working, and you, you fell on the ground and can't move? I don't know what, really what would happen, but think about your brain. If you're up all the time and you're, you're cramming shit into your system, you know, dude, even like, even the average, you know, person that's not an addict, it, I don't think thinks about that as much, uh, as they should, like really focusing on those day-to-day things. And it's just something I'm, I think I'm a little more tuned with right now because it is something that's so fresh and so, so new to me that, I know that I need to really focus on it. Um, but I think more people should probably get into that like mentality of uh, just checking themselves a little bit. Figure out why you feel the way you feel. Understand yourself. Know yourself. And, um, dude, your job will be so much easier in life. You'll just be like, you'll understand yourself. You'll be like, okay. And, and it helps with your everyday interactions when somebody pisses you off for some reason at work maybe um you know they you know how they act and they get they get to this point where they're like okay well i know this person when they say this or they act this way it makes me feel this way so let's not get upset when this person inevitably acts this way and makes and attempts to make me feel this way even if it's conscious or you know unconscious with them but yeah, as long as you're per- if you're prepared for that, then y- y- half the battle's already won. You you have a shield up, and boom, you can take it. You have your feet on the on the ground. So those are the kind of things that I think it helps with. Um, you know, for the for the for you normies out there, and then for us addicts, it's something we um, need to. I think I think need to get from the beginning, <clears throat> which. I think I did, um, which was cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you just kind of... Uh, yeah, man. Emotional intelligence starts there, checking checking in on yourself, and that's something that they learned from the beginning with um, just doing that checklist, making you check in every day. Maybe, um, you know, maybe... And that's def- definitely by design, so... What am I saying? Of course it's by design. Do that on purpose. And it's great. Works. Um, yeah. So anyways, um, I guess switching topics off of that. Um, one thing that was really cool about the, the re- rehab experience for me was um, the crazy amount, one, one, the crazy amount of walks of life that were in there. Um, I mean, everybody. Everybody. Uh, 
if you made up a person in your head, right now I could probably find someone from my rehab that fits that mold. Probably. Not even joking. Um, <laughs> a lot of characters and um, a lot of really, really sweet, good-hearted people who were just hurt and lost and didn't know how to cope, deal with whatever they, they, were, they were dealing with. Um, so, yeah, there was a um, ton of different people in there, and we were all really in the same boat. And something happened with, with our group, maybe sp- I think our group specifically, because we had a couple of repeat customers <laughs> that had come back and um, they had said like, yeah, I've been through this program before, but I've never had a group like this. I've never had this feeling. Like I've, I've actually feel inspired to stay sober and stay clean because of this group. I like to come here and share my positives because everybody's coming here and sharing their positives and working off each other. So there was something, there was something really magical that, that happened with our group there. And, um, you know, that being, that being my first experience, of course, I'm like, oh, dude, super easy. Everyone's great. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really brought light to, this, to the fact that y- your scenario um, makes a huge difference, especially when you're in that vulnerable, broken state. If, you're vo- if, you're, if your scenario, I'm sorry, if your situation is just chaotic and overwhelming and, and broken as it is, you're not going to be able to, you know, fully accept what's being offered but we had a super super cohesive respectful uh, and driven group um and we all fed off each other that way it was so crazy it was like being on a really good sporting team you know i had a couple baseball teams i played on that were like that like we were just a bunch of freaking idiots you know if you picked any one of us out all average players, but together we were savage. Separate average, together savage. But, uh, yeah, it's like being on a cool team. I mean, a good team. Um, even got to the point where like we would just kind of razz each other a little bit during the group. The counselors, you know, would, would laugh. They wouldn't obviously partake if we'd be like, ah, oh, dude, this guy with this shit again you know we like ray like ray what are you doing man you talked about this yesterday i thought we figured this out that kind of that kind of razzing so like we got to that part where you know and i don't know anybody's last name i don't know anybody's last name all i know is that we talk to each other and we go stand in line and pee in cups together it was great <laughs> this for the drug test a different separate cups but we stood in line together Waiting to go pee. Great. <laughs> That's another thing, too. Like, think about, think about this. How many times have you ever stood, stood with four or five of your friends in a line with uh, an armed security guard and a nurse in, in this bathroom lab, which was a lab that had two bathrooms in there, and you would trade off. One would go in one, one go in the other. They just give you a cup, you pee in it, zip it up, put it in the thing, you're on your way. We had to do this probably two or three times a week. So Kaiser has a lot of my urine. 
And <laughs> but that's another thing. Think about that. How, how long have you? How many times have you ever done that with your friends? Just that's not a thing you do. It's a weird scenario. It's, it's weird, funny stuff comes up. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we had a weird, cool group like that. Um, you know, a lot of different walks of life there. Um, like, like I, I was on the younger side, uh, 26 when I got there. And, um, there was a couple people that were like earlier twenties, 21, 22. Um, there was actually one kid in there that was about 19 and, uh, yeah, he was kind of a mess that poor guy, but, um, yeah, so there was, um, there's a lot of people in their 40s, mid to late 40s, um, a couple people in their early 30s, late 20s like me, and then um, then we had one guy who was 75, and um, what a what a guy. His name is Samuel. Um, and he was, uh, yeah, 75 years old. Um, he didn't develop a drinking problem until he turned 65, which was, uh, which was, uh, weird to hear, right? It's like, what? You, you made it that long and then came to rehab when you're 75? First of all, in a joking matter, I'm like, bro, you won. Drink. But obviously that's not the right answer. Very, very bad joke. But, I mean, it, it's just weird. I mean, this initial thing, it's like, wow, man, you, you're you old. What are you doing here? You live your life. How much time do you really have left, you know what I mean? But how much time you really had left was very dependent on how much he was drinking. So he wanted to live longer. He wanted to see his kids uh, longer. He wanted to see his grandkids longer. So he decided to go to rehab um, at 75 years old. So shout out to Samuel, man. Um, he's an older black gentleman from Florida. Um, I mean, really grew up in some, it's some uh, old school ways. I will say that. Um, so it's 75 in 2019, and he was uh, from Florida, uh, not Miami, Florida, also. That's all I'll say. But um, he was really kind of an anomaly. I never really would have suspected somebody like that in there. Um, and he was he to be honest to his credit he was he was completely lost when he got there he didn't know really what he was doing there because he didn't really realize that what alcoholism was he didn't realize like that it was a thing he didn't know that AA was a thing he was just he would go over this stuff and you know I remember uh one day he just completely broke like three or four weeks into the program and it was the first time he really broke and he started crying and and uh talking about like he, he's, he's like, I have just wasted those 10 years, these last 10 years of my life, like, 
on something I didn't even know that I was doing. I was just getting digging myself a deeper and deeper hole. And uh, he said it was like the the, the saddest moment. Uh, he said I he said I felt like a complete failure in that moment, which was kind of crazy to hear from from somebody of of that age, you know. So, um, yeah, Samuel, man, he he is a character though. Uh, every time when we would do that check in at the beginning, he would go. He'd go, you know, my name's Samuel. Alcohol is my problem. And then he would look at us. He would look at us and go, I never did cocaine. <laughs> I don't know why he would always tell us he never did cocaine, but she decided to tell us he never did cocaine. <laughs> Alcohol was my problem. I never did cocaine. Which, making a shirt about that. Sell it. That's so funny. All proceeds go to Samuel. Um, yeah, so he he would talk about his story and say like his moment that he knew he was an alcoholic is because he fell out of a persimmon tree, twenty eight foot ladder, didn't break any bones. He would say that every time as well. I didn't know I was an alcoholic till I fell off the persimmon tree. But I didn't break any bones. 28-foot ladder as well. Um, so I imagine he was on the very top of it and went, whoa, wobbled off. Um, but he didn't break any bones. So, I mean, the dude was was hilarious. I mean, he'd come in. Uh, one day he came in and his, he just came in like this cast thing on his foot. But it was just for his toe. He had like this gnarly like blister thing. And, just... and so he couldn't, he couldn't really walk for like a couple of days. He was walking with a cane. And he came in. <laughs> he came in, of course, the first day. We're, he comes in with his cane and we're doing, we, we get to this class. It's our like, it's like our exercise. They called it the movement class, really. And so it's a bunch of different things. Sometimes it was dancing. Sometimes we'd play instruments. And it was really fun. Uh, that was, like, my favorite class. Shout out to uh, Regina. She is the best. Um, and, she, yeah, so she would have uh, singing, dancing. Uh, we would do yoga sometimes. We would do um, different kind of stretches and um, focusing on... And really what that class was about was focusing on your body because um, we did a lot of emotional, mental things here, but we wanted to focus on the extraneous, you know, the, the torso, the extremities. Um, so getting in tune with that part of your body also. So a lot of, and basically what that is, is to kind of, again, get yourself a baseline of how your body reacts when you do feel a certain way. Or if you do, um, if you do, you know, have that initial reaction, um, a lot of times you get you get a physical response as well, like that the tightness in your chest, or um, you know, the jitters, or like you just can't sit down, restlessness, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of physical effects that people don't really realize from from anxiety, stress, um, and of course this is heightened through the addiction um, thing. But yeah. Um, so that, that class was pretty much to just kind of um, get in tune with that and 
just have another weapon for yourself. Give yourself more ammo um, in this struggle that you're going through. Um, if you're really serious about it, you're going to do what you can to succeed. And I was, and I did. And um, um, you have to do that too. So anyways, um, yeah, Samuel came in to this movement class first day and... <laughs> Well, not first day, first movement, first movement class day. And he um, comes in with the cane, and Regina's like, Samuel, what is going on with your foot? Uh, apparently he had a big, big old blister popped, and so he had to wrap it up. And uh, so we're like, okay, well, <laughs> why don't you just sit down? Everybody else is standing up. Why don't you just sit down today, Samuel? I think I do that. So he sits down. Um, Regina decides, all right, let's, let's go ahead and play some instruments. And she starts handing out all these things. And they're like what you would think of, like, probably like, I guess they were, uh, she was Native American, so she had a lot of, uh, a lot of things from that. I, I, to be fair, I don't know what a lot of the instruments were called, but there were just a lot of these uh, percussion things that when you could hit different areas of the stick and it would make different noises. And she had shakers and um, some bongos and things like that. Um, and so like, yeah, we would just, it was really cool. Cause we would just, she would kind of set the initial rhythm, right? And then she would kind of point at somebody and like, you fill in with your, what you got. So, you know, you start going and everybody has their own different instruments. The bongo guy is like, boom, 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 boom. You know, the guy, the shaker's like, so you have 20 people with 20 different instruments rocking out in this drum circle of, of, uh, of fun. Really, it's just a drum circle of fun. And it's not cool to do that for the most part. I remember in Oakland, they had that drum circle, which was awesome. It's not cool to do that for the most part, because for, if somebody's outside of that, it's a very inclusive thing. If somebody's outside of the drum circle, listening to the drum circle, you're probably going to go insane. But if you're within the drum circle and you're playing in the drum circle, it's this crazy like mesh of um, kind of everyone just gets into that wave and it's really feel that like that cohes that cohesion. You can really get that that that. I don't know, when you just connect with people, you really feel that. And it was brought out through these instruments that we were playing because we would just, it would, we'd play for like 20 minutes straight, just fucking around, freestyling, going off of it. And then sometimes we'd stop in between and she'd be like, that was a really good one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that fucking rocked. Can we go again? Yeah. We just start playing. And it was really just to, um, that was, that class, that purpose was to kind of get out of yourself and, just forget about your stupid problems and enjoy something positive. That was what um, I got from that was, well, you're doing a lot of hard work here at this place, a lot of emotional hard work. So this class is designed to help you release that, that energy through your physical body, get rid of it, dance it out, sing it out, uh, you know, talk it out, walk it out, whatever. Um, it, it helped and it was awesome. Um, so anyways, fucking Samuel, uh, he's playing along and everything. And, and so Regina just starts kind of dancing in the 
circle. It was so funny. And she's like getting it. She's like getting it down. She'd point at people and then they would start dancing. So they'd stop playing. And, uh, and and so like got around she got around to everybody and got to Samuel and he's he's like just smacking on the stick thing he's like dum, 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 dum. he's just going hard as fuck and Regina points to him and goes Samuel 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 and everybody in the class stops playing their instrument and starts screaming along with her Samuel 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 and he's just Samuel, Samuel. It was so insanely, hilariously perfect. It, it, it was just one of those moments where joy happened. Pure joy of just being silly. It's being a silly goose. Like, Samuel, Samuel. It was fantastic, man. It was, um, it was great. Like, that, class was, that class was awesome. It was, um, showed us all like that we could just kind of you know, get outside of ourselves and, and, and do, you know, just, just have fun and, and think about, um, kind of the, the group, um, getting the feel of the group. That was like really what was, I guess what we kind of did there was like, we felt the group for one of the first times. Um, and that it was important because so many of us were just thinking about ourselves for so long. Just all we were thinking about was not feeling the way we felt when we were sober. That's all we thought about. And so now you're going into a situation where you have to um, you have to think about the group. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Um, you have to respect the group's uh, anonymity, their time, their efforts, um, and their issues. You're not the only person there, and you start to realize that, and um, you start to think outside yourself, which is really where we. Um, where we make a lot of our downfalls as addicts and as, um, and as, um, you know, alcoholics and junkies, druggies, whatever you want to call us. But, um, yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's probably a good place to stop here, but yeah, I mean, I think rehab for me was, it was, you know, just barely tapped into it this time, but um, yeah, rehab for me was really a lot of cool, awesome things happened for me. I um, I was able to to think about. I learned how to think about the group instead of just me, um, and then I really was able to learn how to one repair the damage that had been done to myself mentally and emotionally. And two, um, figure out a contingency plan going forward. Figure out how to how to take this mentality, repair the past, but also give yourself a filter for the future. Um, so when meaning like when things come around again, to when you're feeling good, you drop out of that pink cloud, and you're feeling good, but something happens. How are you going to react? Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be as strong as you were when things were great? That's one thing I'm worried about. You know, I got sober, and things just totally skyrocketed. Everybody around me that I care about is doing wonderful. You know, so knock on wood, but you know, when something something inevitably is going to happen, it's just you know that's just life. Things shit happens, right?
So how am I going to deal with that when it does? And I don't know. I don't know. The best I, the best I can do is arm myself for when that happens and um, remember the successes I've had along the way um, and also rem- and, and remember the struggle I felt when I was in the depths of my addiction and remember that kind of intensity for despair I had whereas now I have this intensity and this zest for life um, I'm, I sometimes just catch myself smiling I'll be thinking about something memory I'll just be smiling that doesn't that never used to happen um, so I mean yeah I mean what's gonna happen when I when shit hits a fan um Am I going to wipe the shit, keep moving, or, you know, what's going to happen? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good place to stop for episode two. Went pretty deep on this one. Um, And there's also a truck outside. So, uh, thanks, everyone, again, for tuning in. Uh, This was episode two of Alcoholics Unanimous. Um, I am Josh. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.